When it comes to having a disability, there are two sides to being called things like inspirational. People either love it or hate it. My name is Nate. I'm a wheelchair user, and I call my show We're the Inspiration, featuring real and hopefully entertaining stories about people with disabilities and some of the people closest to them. With me now, I have someone who's been on the podcast before, but it's been a while. He's taking over where I left off in the sport of Paralympic powerlifting, but we talked a lot about that before, and we're probably going to talk some more about it again. Alex Gonzalez, thank you for being the inspiration for another episode. What is going on, you guys? Hey, How you doing, man? I'm doing great. How are you, my brother? Good. Well, I don't remember if I asked you this last time, but we talked about the fact that you sort of, when you were done playing competitive basketball, you transitioned over into powerlifting. But what made you decide that was a sport for you? That is a very interesting question because while I did ultimately transition from basketball into powerlifting, which is what I'm doing now and have been for the past five years, five going into six years now, uh, I did not jump straight from basketball to powerlifting. There were a couple of other sports in between, tennis, ice hockey, a little bit of dancing for fun with a folkloric Bolivian group that I was a part of for many years. There were a lot of activities, sports, much like basketball in that they were uh, more cardiovascular based, but lifting didn't come consistently until about high school. Well, I got into it a little bit because you had the little metal five pound weights that had the heads that looked like gears that you brought back to sometimes. I remember. Yeah, I still have a lot of my little trinkets to coach people in, in strength training if I need to. But, uh, you know, for me, it was interesting because you sort of did more or less one sport at a time. While I was playing basketball, I was still active in the powerlifting. And I feel like my strength at the time was definitely my niche in basketball. Basketball, I did for 14 years straight. Right. Whereas all the other sports, the basketball, the ice hockey, I was actually doing at the same time for five, six years at the same time. Oh, okay. With different organizations. Yes, different organizations, uh, but with many of the same uh, athletes. A lot of the athletes that were playing basketball uh, with me were also playing ice hockey. Uh, do you remember Joel Poole? I've had Joel Poole on the show, buddy. Yeah, JP, yeah. He, he was part of the sled charts with me at around the same time that we were playing basketball. Well, let's clarify. When you say ice hockey, what do you mean is sled hockey? Sorry, yes, sled yeah. hockey, but I wanted to... Uh, I want to clarify that because I did a show on sled hockey. I've never played it myself, but that's because, you know, when the opportunity was offered to me to play sled hockey, I was working overnights at the time. My radio career had already started, so I didn't really have a lot of free time for brand new activities. Makes sense. Yeah. I was playing with guys like JP and a couple of other athletes that I was, that I was playing like tennis and basketball with this at the same time, but we had only done that for four or five years. I'm not sure what JP has been up to, but I always wanted to stay active. I'm 26 years old. I went from all the sports that I did in the youth leagues to powerlifting as a young adult. I think there's only been one tiny strength of time between graduation and 
powerlifting where I wasn't doing anything. Otherwise, I think I've always been a pretty active person. But how does it feel for you to have gone from like years of aerobic sports to one that is, you know, I mean, I, I sweat when I work out for sure. But like, you know, powerlifting, not necessarily a sport to sort of get your heart racing. That brings me into my high school years. We might have talked about some of this already, but go ahead. Probably. I went to Anendo High School. My class was, I think, one of the last graduating classes that had the opportunity to take either regular physical education or take what was called personal fitness, which was just weightlifting, and that would count as the PE credit. I did not want to do like the pacer or the mile run, which they did make me do when I was in regular phys ed. Oof. So I, I tried the like, mile run in like grade school, you know, elementary school. Hated yeah. that. <laughs> I hated it because everybody did it on grass and I couldn't do that. But yeah, I was kind of forced into it. I said, I never want to do those tests again. So I was just like, I'm going to do weightlifting. And I did weightlifting for four years, my entire high school quote unquote career, I was in the white room. I had a small hiatus after graduation, but then I got back into it. So when you're asking like, how was it to go from what I was doing before to now, it wasn't as much of a shock as one might think. Well, like you, I did a lot of sports at the same time. One of them happened to be powerlifting. It wasn't a great shock to me either to try new things, but are you still active in the more aerobic sports that you were once doing or is it just powerlifting now in terms of specific sports it's just powerlifting but i do try to do some sort of aerobic work going on walks i live in a pretty decent neighborhood i can go on walks i don't know if you ever done like walks quote unquote but like for, for no me, no i've never done walks but you know <laughs> i don't think you have either really but <laughs> I can't do the just going circles. Mm-hmm. I can't do that. I, I have to like go going on a track. Yeah. That's like, so boring. I have to like be like, okay, I'm starting here. I know that this place is X distance away. Let's go there. Right. Yeah. And I've gone as far as a total of four miles. So you need a destination is what you're saying. Correct. I can't go from point A to go around in a large circle to be back at point A. I need point A, point B. And, and then back, back to, to point A. Back to point A. <laughs> I try to go for walks, long walks that get me to sweat and breathe heavy pretty much every day when I, if possible. And I'll just say this. We could get into the semantics of saying somebody in a wheelchair is going for a walk. But some people are going to get a kick out of this because I've heard the term on TV from a a wheelchair user. I'm going for a push. I find that sort of ridiculous because I've never heard that in real life. (laughs) (laughs) I don't say I'm going for a push. When I'm just talking, I will say walk most of the time. But every now and then, I just to be a little bit funny, I say I'm going to go for a roll real quick. Well, I don't know if that's funny. That's sort of more to the reality of it. 
That is true. I don't know why I thought it was funny, but to me, it just sounded funny. So I guess it depends on the person. That's true. It's the kind of thing I think that you can say to somebody that doesn't know you very well and see if they get uncomfortable. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. Yep. I'm not saying I'm recommending that, but we may do it once in a while. Who knows? <laughs> yeah. I have a couple of friends. I guess that the right word would be I allow to use handicap jokes. Handicap jokes, the, you said? Handicap jokes or say things that to an onlooker would be like, how dare you say that? But for us, it's just like, it's funny. If someone has a disability, they can make all those kind of jokes that they want, right? But the thing I find is that, and I didn't even mean to talk about this, by the way, but it's an interesting thing. If somebody doesn't have a disability, I think that sometimes their way of breaking the ice with me or attempting to, because I'm someone who is obviously very sarcastic at times, very self-deprecating at times. I can make jokes about myself all day long. So there are people that meet me and sort of try to make those sort of jokes and they don't do it right. You got to know how to do it if you're going to. And to add on to that, if you're going to do it, and I'm saying this because I've met people who don't do this. Yeah. If you're going to do something like that, commit to it. <laughs> don't fizzle out in the middle. Don't apologize afterwards, in other words. Yeah, exactly. If you're going to do something, commit to it. I can respect that mentality for sure. But if you're going to do that and you're not already in the world in some way of people with disabilities, you better know what you're doing. <laughs> True that. Because we can hurt you. <laughs> <laughs> whether we mean to or not yeah exactly how is your training going anyway speaking of hurting people <laughs> <laughs> it's going great actually i'm prepping right now for a competition that is actually in about a month from today i'm going to be going to uh, st louis which is our the team usa home base basically yeah i talked to mary about this one this competition yeah, it's yeah. the uh, I can't yeah, remember what it's uh, called, but I America's Open Championship. That's it. Yeah, this would be my second America's Open, but first time since I started where the U.S. is hosting. The team has to be there on the third of next month, but the competition itself is from the eighth to the eleventh. So you're going to be yeah. there a whole week. Yeah, because uh, we have a couple of uh, new athletes as well that have to go through what's called classification and there's also like team meetings and staff meetings and all that stuff that the whole team athletes and staff have to be there early for different reasons run me through the classification stuff because when i was doing it and you probably got farther than i did because i won nationals one year and then had surgery but when i was doing it on the level that i did it they didn't really classify beyond weight class when I say classification, it's one of those things where you only got to do it one time, then you're good for like your entire career, I think. It's been like five years since I've had to do it. So so you got to do it, but it won't change. Right, exactly. Well, here's the reason I brought it up, because depending on the sport, classifications can change. 
Oh, yeah, I would assume so. I can only speak for powerlifting. I'm, I'm not on in, in a quote-unquote elite level on any other sport. The team that we used to be on, they're doing that in basketball now, but we weren't on the team at the time, so. Yeah, like right after I left, I was keeping like very small tabs on the team. One minute, we're just doing the terms we're doing, so like Baltimore and, and Philly and all those stuff. Next thing I know, prep team's going to nationals twice. Like, what? Yeah. We plussed up big time. I'm proud. Absolutely. I know that the competitions that you'll do in St. Louis and other places, I don't know if it's more than this, but I know there's bench press involved, right? Correct. The only one in... Oh, that's it. Yeah, that's it. This is the only discipline. Okay. In powerlifting. When I was doing it, there were two versions of it. I think it was the distinction between powerlifting and weightlifting because one of them was standard bench press. The other one was like right from the chest itself. All you had to do was like push it up and lock your arms. Okay. So it's a jerk, basically. Well, a jerk from on your back, but yeah. Okay. I wonder where that went. I haven't heard they've seen that. Or whether they're still doing that. I, I just don't know about it. If it uh, went away, I don't know. But and Me neither. The only one that I'm aware of is para powerlifting, which is just bench press. Yeah. It's been a while since I used a flat bench. I do uh, incline bench lately. I don't know how you feel about that. I have actually done incline as part of my training to build my chest because... Not many people know this, but the chest is three separate muscles, upper, middle, and lower. Mm -hmm. That's true. So it's pretty good for the upper chest. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Decline for the lower. Pretty good. I haven't done decline bench. I haven't in a while, but I have done it before. And if you're a beginner, it's really good for building the lower chest. Now, I would say I feel it more in my triceps. Any sort of bench press, you should feel in your, ideally in your chest and your triceps. Yeah, I'm just making that comment because, again, not many people know this, or rather, not many people think about this, but it is just as much, if not maybe a little bit more taxing on your triceps, because your triceps are the one doing the pressing movement as it is on your chest. Right. Your chest gets sore later. <laughs> if you're oh, yeah. If you're lucky. Yeah. Last week, I hit 205 on incline bench. Nice. I was in San Antonio a couple of months ago to uh, qualify for the competition coming up. I hit an all-time best of 275. Nice. uh, And that's pounds. for. uh, That's right. Some competitions are in kilos. All the competitions in parapowerlifting, as far as I know, are, are kilos. So for uh, anyone listening, what I did was about 275 pounds. So that's, well, it's well over 100 kilos. 125. 125. I was going for uh, 137, which was the minimum qualifying standard for the under 72 bodyweight class, which is where I was competing at that time. It didn't go up, but I still am able to compete. I'm going to be competing in a lower weight class in St. Louis. I've been steadily getting stronger while also shedding off weight 
from my frame, which has been interesting and fun. And honestly, probably the best decision I've ever made to shed the weight. Not that I felt bad before. There comes a point where, you know, if you get too big, you're, you physically feel like this isn't right. Yeah. But I was not there. Like, you know what I looked like growing up and all that. Like, I, I looked pretty much the same. I was never, like, up there. But just shedding five, six, seven pounds, I feel great. Now I'm at the point where I'm just looking back and I'm just like, why didn't I do this before? This feels awesome. <laughs> to be fair, I started weight training because a doctor wanted me to. And it didn't have so much to do with weight maintenance as just gaining strength to move around better. What I found, especially at that age, was it really just transformed the hell out of my body. Oh, heck yeah. Yeah. And here I am at 42, basically trying to do the same thing, and it's actually working. Yeah. I don't know how long it's been for you, or if you even have had a large hiatus, but I found that, you know, during my hiatus of almost a year between the end of high school to powerlifting, it came back very quickly. Once I really started going, it was like, okay, my muscles actually remember this. And so the numbers started coming back a lot quicker. A long time ago, I was told that muscles have memory. So that makes yeah. perfect sense to me, you know, but I've been in the gym off and on for really the better part of 30 years now, but I don't think I've ever really trained the way that I do now in terms of trying to build strength quickly. Cause you know, I got a trainer, I work with him a half an hour a week and I do the rest myself. But basically one of the things that I always do with him is the incline bench. And the reason I've started that is because it's just easier and quicker for me to set up on the incline bench than it is on a flat bench. Oh yeah. Without question. So much. So what I'm finding is that we'll do different things like pause reps, which I've never done before. I had this trainer. Really? Yeah. Never trained that way until now, but we did that. And sometimes he'll have me just rep until I die basically. And, <laughs> Well, then there are heavy days, you know, the training I do by myself and the heavy days that he has every time that we do a heavy day, I'm able to do at least one rep with more weight. I used to do maxing out like once a month. I don't think I'm maxing out at all now, except like, you know, sometimes I'll do multiple reps of like 185. Like I said, last week I did one of 205 and it's kind of funny because he tells me now that I'm stronger than him at bench. <laughs> <laughs> but what we really want to talk about today is the fact that you have created a comic book. I'm currently creating. I, I have not finished it yet. It's a work in progress, but you're putting together a comic book. All right. So you got to tell people what you told me about this comic book. 
It's about a, a young guy with spina bifida who, he was not born with powers. He was basically given powers after he, as well as a couple of other young adults with different disabilities took part in a medical study. The, the study kind of goes awry and that gives him his powers. And now he has to learn how to control his powers and help the people of his city. Superheroes are a big thing nowadays. Yes. You don't see a lot of disabled superheroes. No, you don't. And I believe there's, besides the one big one, which is Professor Axe, besides him, I think there's only one other in existence that was, I don't know if he's an ongoing series. I've only ever read one issue from him. And it was the uh, first issue, which the superhero that I'm talking about is, called the silver scorpion i don't uh, know that one yeah I, I don't think he's very well known he came out of i believe it was a middle eastern country like i said as far as i know there's only one issue so this would be the technically the only third in existence uh, when this is done i mean you could split hairs and say that and i don't really know anything about this because i didn't see the movie they put this movie out recently morbius this is a character that starts out with a disability you know what you're right i've heard that that is the case i haven't seen morbius or read anything from morbius so that very well may be the case if that is the case then i have misspoken and i do apologize i mainly bring that up because I've said, and I haven't started it yet, that I'm going to start reviewing movies and TV shows with uh, representation in them of disability. What I realize is that's going to have to be one of the ones that I watch. And I've heard horrible things about this movie. That's not good. (laughs) (laughs) So you have a GoFundMe. Uh, yes, I do. I'm, I am planning on self-publishing. I already have a full 22-page script, so that means an entire script that, when drawn out, will fill 22 pages in a comic book, which is roughly the standard size, 22 to 24 pages is the standard size for a comic book. I've already worked with a writer, and I'm, at the moment, looking for an illustrator. I, I'm talking with a couple, but I have but nothing solid yet but once all that is done it's going to be up to me to take the files and find a printing company to print the final copies it's going to be tough but i'm going to do it well starting this podcast was tough man indeed there's something to be said for turning nothing into something and that's what you did too i tried i really did Hopefully, as you said, it turns into something because uh, that would be pretty. On the GoFundMe, are you able to like give people an example of what they're helping to fund? Yes. As the creator of not only the comic book, but also the, the campaign, the GoFundMe campaign, I could go into the campaign and post updates kind of like Facebook or Instagram. I already have a couple. Uh, on the campaign where I show some ideas that I made for some, some cover art. All right. Well, you'll have to give me the link to the GoFundMe 
I'll post oh, it along with the episode and we'll go from there. But, you know, it's always good to see you. Always good to talk to you. I want to thank Alex for being the inspiration for another episode. Thanks to everybody for listening. Remember, you can follow us on Twitter, like us on Facebook, join our Discord server, and subscribe to our YouTube channel. Links will be in the description. Until next week, this is Nate Lurie saying you don't always have to do a lot to inspire others.